0: It's exciting to win money. Back
1: out to Allen, history final. with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on?
0: Uh, Not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem, you're just an idiot.
1: And we welcome you into Full Slate, a podcast by Degenerates, for Degenerates. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on Gambling Twitter at UndercoverGreg, at G underscore Frank 6 for the rest of my sports takes, food takes, movie takes, whatever is on my mind. As we wrap up the NFL regular season, and I bring on my guy, my partner in crime, Alex Uplinger, at Alex underscore Up7, manages our podcast account at full underscore slate underscore pod. Alex, good to have you back aboard, my man. I know I had to fly solo a couple times there towards the end of the regular season, but glad to have you for one last go around in the regular season, even though we're not going to spend a ton of time on some of these games.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be back. Not the most appealing slate, but we'll certainly discuss. You know, Saturday looks really intriguing, those two games, and then there's some absolute stinkers i'll probably watch everything just because you know last week of the season but it's scott I would not recommend games, what
1: i call it we celebrate another of season of scott hansen not taking a piss for seven hours consecutive <laughs> yeah
0: there you go that's more entertaining than a lot of these games
1: <laughs> all right well let's not waste it well actually i'll tell you what before we get into the rotation let's just talk on a couple of things with week 18 we were texting a little bit about the incentives that you see people just kind of want to bet overs on certain running backs and receivers that hit yards numbers, pass rushers sometimes can have sack incentives. Um, But I do think it's buyer beware on some of this because the NFL is such a, you know, tightly compressed betting market these days where like all these mainstream factors are just baked into numbers and, you know, so not only would I be careful with props when it comes to those incentives, but I also think like I like to bet, and you know it, this dovetails perfectly into the first game that we'll talk about, but I like to bet against the desperate teams more than I do on them because you start to see line line inflation on those teams where it's like, well, wait a second. Now Pittsburgh's laying four on the road. Like they couldn't score a touchdown. It felt like at times this season. So I I just think those are some cautionary tales when it comes to week 18. Don't just bet on a team because they need to win or on a player because he needs to uh, hit a yard. Doesn't,
0: doesn't that like must win narrative feel very overrated, especially in the NFL when these are all professional athletes, like playing for money or their next job. These guys aren't just giving up on the season. You're not seeing teams tank. Everyone wants to win. Obviously, some teams want to win more to make the playoffs. But do you think a team wants to get embarrassed, especially a team at home? And, you know, they're trying to ruin your season as well.
1: Well, yeah. And and I think, like, you know, we've seen some instances the last five, ten years. I think back to the Eagles in a Sunday night game against Washington where the Eagles put in Nate Sudfeld. And it looked like a pretty clear Tank job to get higher up in the top ten, and I think Sean Payton referenced a game that he was playing Tampa when Payton was in New Orleans, where Tampa just took its guys out because they had a chance to get the number one pick. It ended up being the year they got Jameis Winston. So we've seen some of it, but I also think unless it's like slam dunk, like I, I totally I understand why the Jets fans a couple years ago were mad that they won in like week sixteen and didn't get Lawrence, but unless it's like one of those situations where there's a generational quarterback prospect available. I, I really don't think we're at the point where somebody's like, yo, let me lose this game. So I draft seventh instead of ninth.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Which, I, I
1: think again, like that just backs up your point about like, it's the NFL, like, and we'll get to Jacksonville, Tennessee, especially now like with that, where you have a team playing a team that in the standings is dead but that doesn't mean they won't get up for the game.
0: Yeah, and I think especially now, it's cool that these are all divisional games, you know, the last couple of years. So yeah. there is something to that. We saw Washington absolutely lifeless. Last year, they did this and beat the Cowboys. And then they beat the
1: Cowboys, out. right. No, that's yeah. a great point. And I, think, I think that, yeah, like the fact that all these games are division games adds the motivation for the dogs because it's not like, you know, like if you're Washington and you're playing the Rams and the Rams or, or Seattle, because Seattle has a cliff, like would you get more motivated about screwing up Seattle season or screwing up Dallas season? You know, so um, that's a good angle. And, and I think it's interesting from a viewer. This is more not actionable, but more from a fan side of things like I like how they stagger the games so that you have the same games that impact one another going on at the same time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How they moved the Steelers-Ravens and Texans-Colts, you know, because those games kind of directly impact. I know the Steelers need to win, and then there's a couple things in terms of yeah, other I guess, teams So if the Steelers teams, uh,
1: win, and then they get a tie between Houston and Indy, are they just in, or does, do they
0: still I think keep? they would be in. Right. But then also they can get in with a Jags loss or a Bills loss. Or a Bills so loss.
1: That I knew. But it's but possible that they they're in before any games are played on Sunday. Obviously <laughs> unlikely, but.
0: This kind of feels like, you know, the game that they blow after having two strong ones. Now they're right. playing the backups in Baltimore. This is where they get blown out for no reason.
1: Well, let's get right to it then. Rotation number four, six, seven, Pittsburgh traveling to m Bank Stadium to take on Baltimore. Rotation number four, six, eight, Pittsburgh laying four. Gosh, we're seeing some ugly totals this week. And that's uh, also, again, having to do with a lot of backup quarterbacks playing, including uh, Snoop Huntley for Baltimore. So it will be a total of thirty five. And I think the same kind of thing applies here with a historical trend that the dog of when the game in this rivalry is lined at north of three. It's like 80 percent cover rate for the dog. And, you know, I I just I don't look at the fact that Baltimore sitting guys and think that Pittsburgh is going to win by significant margin because that's just not what the Steelers do. They play down to teams level. They play up to teams levels and they find enough ways to win to where, you know, Tomlin avoids his losing season last week. And here they are again in with a chance, despite having to rotate quarterbacks, things like that. We talked about it all the time. We kind of have Tomlin figured out when you want to bet him, when you don't want to bet him. And you know, this would be one of those spots where, you know, the Steelers are maybe a little fat and happy off of a big win in the Pacific Northwest last week against Seattle. So I definitely still think it's Baltimore a pass. I think in a rivalry like this, if you're a Ravens player, you're, uh, you know, still hungry to knock the Steelers out of the playoffs. And, you know, who knows? I'm sure there's a lot of guys on Baltimore here. We talk about auditioning for spots, next season you know some players it's not like baltimore's resting every single player like i'm sure there's some guys that might be able to play their way into a little bit of a bigger role for the postseason so i would lean to baltimore at this number another thing we'll talk about uh future tickets there's interesting hedging possibilities um and maybe i'll do that here because i have a ticket on the steelers at plus 115 to make the playoffs so if i can hit baltimore plus the points Roof for a Steelers win by less than four I'm feeling pretty good so that would be the only way I can look it would be on the home dog
0: I agree I think in this rivalry specifically you just have to take the points four feels way too high this is still a Steelers team that can't really score the ball I know they've gotten a Shot in the arm from Mason Rudolph, but how sustainable is that? He's still, you know, a third string quarterback. This isn't a great offense. Yeah, and, when and they run the ball well.
1: Bear in mind the last couple of weeks, Cincinnati and Seattle's defenses. Again, no Baltimore sitting guys. Yeah. But still, Baltimore
0: <laughs> step up. Still there. not the strongest. Yeah, I completely agree, and that's why I like the under. Grabbed it early in the week. I would still play it. I also might look to an alt under, get some plus money at. You know, maybe under 30 and a half, 31, something like that. I just think this is going to be super low scoring. It just feels like 17-13 type of game. You know, two really solid running games. No Lamar Jackson, so that explosive element is gone. Solid defenses. The weather also is not great conditions for an over. I'm more worried about the... The wind, there's going to be precipitation probably all game. It looks like a wintry mix type of thing, but the winds are going to be sustaining at like 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 20 to 30. So that's where, you know, you like the under more. The throwing is all messed up. And both these teams probably don't want to throw the ball a ton regardless. You know We talked
1: about this trend a couple of times this year, and I think it makes sense. Baltimore would be a match for it. Dogs in totals in games with totals below 40, are 60%, I think, since 2018. So, um, again, uh, we're aligned there, dog and under, in the first game on Saturday. Next game on Saturday night's pretty interesting, as we have a pair of overachievers, pair of teams that were drafting in the top five last year, playing for a spot in the playoffs on Saturday night, Houston, the Texans laying one and a half on the road against the Colts, total of 47 and a half. Alex, it's interesting. We've talked about Indy being kind of a lucky team at various times this year, but I don't feel like some of that is maybe a little bit over-accounted for when you now have Indianapolis as a home dog of one and a half points against a team that it did win against on the road, albeit back in week two. Um, you know, so I, I, would, I know you lean Indy. Uh, I'll just say this. I think the winner of this game, this is not a bold statement, but uh, I'll just throw it out there. The winner of this game is the coach of the year, I believe, whether it's uh, Shane Steichen or D'Amico Ryan. So interesting watch. Don't love it from a bettable angle, but I do think Indy would be the only side.
0: Yeah, I simply lean Indy just being a home divisional dog, more veteran team, and Stroud just hasn't been great on the road. You know, now the pressure is ramped up on the road. I just think Indy's the right side to look here, especially now that they're underdogs.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I I know that uh, Minchu can giveth and taketh a little bit, but – Uh, You would think in this kind of spot, the veteran just kind of goes out there and manages the game enough. And uh, perhaps the lights are a little bit too bright for C.J. Stroud in this one. Let's go from the AFC South to the NFC South, where we have the Atlanta Falcons. It looks like catching three, three and a half at various shops against the New Orleans Saints. Atlanta and New Orleans both still alive in the NFC South division race. Total of 42 in this one. Uh, the winner of this game will win the division if Carolina is to upset Tampa. And, hey, for us, uh, you know, this is just one last fade of Dennis Allen and Derek Carr. It would be very fitting. And you, t- we talked about it before we jumped on. It sounds like you had read that Dennis Allen is going to survive into 2024 regardless for the New Orleans Saints. But it would be very fitting uh, if, uh, you know, they laid an egg here and he ended up getting fired. But, hey, I wouldn't mind if he stuck around one more year because – That means we get to fade him next year as a favorite as well. And that's kind of what I'm looking at here. I think we're getting a little bit of line value here on the roadside with Atlanta. A little bit of recency bias, right? New Orleans wins a road division game against hot Tampa. And, you know, here are the Saints now at home. uh, And we talked about it. Superdome just hasn't been the same home field that it has been in years prior. Um, And, you know, we had Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz. Dome in Atlanta when these two teams matched up back in November. And Atlanta won that game despite getting outgained by New Orleans. So I think it's a good sell-high New Orleans spot, not just because the Saints are coming off of that win last week against Tampa, but also Atlanta. You know, we talk about warm weather teams, dome teams ha- having to travel this time of year into the elements. Atlanta went up to Chicago last week and took it on the chin. Uh, now you get them in a little bit more of a comfortable environment. I think the Falcons are a live underdog. I'll take them plus the points.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I love Atlanta here. Grabbed this early in the week at three in the hook. It's down to three. I'll still play it there. I think they can win this game outright. You mentioned the Superdome just – isn't quite the same anymore. I think that speaks to their lack of defense. They've been kind of getting shredded defensively, and they used to be a really stout unit. Saints are 10 and 12 straight up at home last three seasons, which obviously not good at all. And then Derek Carr is a favorite. You know, this is a spot we've been fading all season. Can't really stop now. He's nine twenty-six and two against the spread when I was gonna say I almost feel like he's stronger
1: now. Like if he's not supposed to if if he's bad as a favorite when there's less pressure, now there's a lot of pressure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You gotta think this is even more ramped up than a normal fade car spot. So we definitely love the Falcons here.
1: Okay, this next game, Cleveland and Cincinnati is one of several where it was just very easy to flush it and move on to the game after because, you know, we I, it's been the year of the backup quarterback. Uh, we've been seeing so many backups having to be thrusted into the line of duty. And, you know, we've talked about how sometimes you can bet on these guys early because yeah, the other team doesn't maybe know, maybe doesn't know what's coming. But I think in this spot, like, you know, you see Cleveland catching seven against, Cincinnati, Jeff Driscoll's going to start, Flacco's sitting, and I don't think some of those same, like, elements of surprise angles are in play here, because this is a de facto preseason game for the Browns, Uh, so, you know, I'm not running to the window, like, if this was the middle of the season, I might think, okay, like, the rest of the Browns are going to be playing hard, so they can do enough around Driscoll c- catching seven to cover.
0: Yeah, but like, what is, are we going to get defensively is my concern. You know, if it, like you said, middle of season, full defense, ready right. to play. Yeah, he well, that, that and seven also, every time.
1: What have we also said about, like, the home road splits for the Cleveland defense have been kind of jarring, and this game is in Cincinnati. So there's enough kind of cautionary tales here with the Cleveland defense and, and, and the Cleveland side to pass. And then Cincinnati, it's like – you throw up over the thought of laying seven with Jake Browning. So, nah, if very, you do there's that, a lot of you, easy uh, passes, and this was one of them.
0: Yeah, if if you lay seven points with Jake Browning, you're not allowed to gamble ever again in your life. It's just <laughs> your your card has been revoked. But if anyone you know wants to tease the Bengals down with something else, you know, tease the Ravens up to ten, get the Bengals down to sure. one, I certainly wouldn't fault you for that. I will not be doing that, but. You know that could be one way if you're desperate to watch this game for some reason.
1: Okay, New England and New York, the Jets traveling to Foxborough to take on the Patriots in what looks like it will be the final game of the Bill Belichick coaching era. This was a spot that I had circled for a while as one that I would definitely be uh, all in on the uh, New England side. New England laying two and a half total of thirty and a half. I don't like it as much recently because. You know, New England lost the game last week to Buffalo. And, uh, you know, I just wonder if maybe the Pats tap out a little bit knowing that the coach is on on his way out. Like, I know it's the greatest coach of all time and I still lean to the New England side. But maybe there's also an element here for the Jets of, hey, like, if there's ever a time to pick off the Pats and end, I believe it's 15 in a row that they've lost, to New England, like, now would be the time. So, still leaning the Pats, but don't like it as much as I used to.
0: I would certainly lean that way as well. And I kind of like the under, but it's really fucking gross. Uh, if this closes below 31, it would be lowest NFL total since 2005. And I still don't feel like this is quite low enough. You know, two solid defenses that we've seen play pretty well. And I just... Don't know where the scoring is going to come from for the Jets. I would certainly lean the Patriots having more consistent, stable offense, which is wild to say. You know, like Bailey Zappi looking so bad early on. Now he's kind of righted the ship. It just feels like a really gross under game. I don't know if I can quite get there with, you know, one of the lowest totals in almost 20 years, but that's the way I would look.
1: Well, We talk about the Patriots and maybe their future coach. But we know for sure a former player, Mike Vrabel, and the Titans hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll see if Vrabel does bolt for New England in 2024 or if he remains with the Titans or maybe even ends up somewhere else. But the Titans are catching, looks like, three and a half now against the Jacksonville Jaguars, total of 41. This number has been bet down I'm in full agreement with the move. We talked a little bit about this before we jumped on. Mike Vrabel, uh, a little bit on edge in his press conference this week, just talking about, you know, how frustrating the last couple of months have been. Most of the second half of the season, the Titans have been, you know, out of the playoff mix you know realistically never really had much of a chance anyway so they've kind of been bringing up the rear in a division that's been surprisingly competitive this year and Jacksonville did not run away with it the way many people thought and so here you have the Titans my point being though Vrabel has talked about you know how much he's been pissed by the losing and oh just losing sucks and you know we talked about how he's always one of those roll-up-the-sleeves, lunch-pail coaches that every single week wants to go 1-0, as all these coaches say, just go 1-0, win the game this week. And, you know, a lot of that probably speaks to the underdog Vrabel stuff, which we've questioned as to if it's as strong this year with just a less talented roster. But we've seen some spots, you know, think back to that Monday night game in Miami where the Titans really went into that game thinking, you know, that, kind of feeling like a dead team up against the Miami team that clobbers bad teams and the Titans win the game outright. So I think, you know, that's kind of an example of what we've seen from the fight from Tennessee. We had them, unfortunately um, it slipped away. I think we got a bad number in that, in our contest against Seattle at home and uh, they lost by three, but they certainly gave Seattle a four quarter fight uh, with Ryan Tannehill starting point being, I love the spot for Tennessee because I know I'm going to get a Titans team that's motivated and fired up, not just to play for their coach with whatever his future you know has in store for him. But think back to Week 18 a year ago. The Titans went to Duval and lost a game they were very competitive in with the not Josh Josh Dobbs in a quarterback right, and they're in a four quarter battle with Jacksonville when Jacksonville needed to win the game to get into the playoffs. Ultimately. Jacksonville pulls out a real close game. And, you know, you look at this number, open five and a half, bet down to three and a half. A lot of market respect all of a sudden for Jacksonville just off of one blowout win against the Panthers last week. You know, laying that number north of three on the road against a division team that we know is still going to play hard. So all the signs are pointing towards Tennessee. This is my best bet. I like the Titans plus the three and a half.
0: I'm with you. I was looking at this early on in the week. I'm kind of kicking myself. I was hoping it would go the other way. But it's clear that a lot of sharp people got down on this early. And I certainly can see why this checks a lot of boxes in terms of things we like. Vrabel, underdog, home divisional dog. And yeah, I, I think this could be you know, Vrabel's last game. In Tennessee, and I'm sure the players are are well aware of this, so you gotta think that they'll be playing up for him at home to close out the season on a high note, really like Titans here as well.
1: agreement on the Tennessee side at home. Let's go up to the Motor City where it's the Detroit Lions hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Nick Mullins returns to the line of duty for the Vikings, as they have just had. All sorts of quarterback problems. Gosh, Kirk Cousins. I, listen, he's not, I, I think sometimes it's a little bit of a, you know, a shot at Kirk, you know, in that we talk about how much money the man's made and how much guaranteed money he's gotten as kind of a shot that he's overpaid. But listen, you look at how much Minnesota has missed him this year, and he is scheduled to hit free agency. So he is going to be in line for a very nice payday, whether it be from Minnesota or somebody else, because Minnesota has just cratered uh, in 2023 without Cousins. And uh, now they're going back to Mullins after trying Josh Dobbs, then Mullins, and then Jaron Hall. Uh, but this was one of those weird ones where, again, like I didn't know what to do with it because the Lions, maybe they're pissed off after the controversial ending in Dallas last week. Maybe they're thinking, hey, if we win, Dallas somehow loses, we can get back up to that two-seed. Um, but then you see wise guy money. It sounds like early in the week coming on Minnesota and it's like, well, why is there money on Minnesota? They seem to be kind of dead. So uh, that kind of makes it a stay away. Right.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. This going from five and a half and then I saw some threes pop and then back to three and a half. It's just that kind of movement sketches me out. I think that, you know, two point movement early in the week, Think that kind of indicates that the Lions might be sitting some guys and that you know some group of people found that out and started hammering the Vikings. I think this is one you have to just avoid. It would make sense if Detroit you know sat guys, although Dan Campbell seems like the type of dude that you know played to the final whistle type of guy, like not the rest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're they're one in the same, and I love them for that. You know, when I like them as underdogs, but. This line movement just just scares me.
1: Okay, I believe this is the final game in the early window. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers. Tampa four and a half point road favorite, total of 37 and the hook. Um, and you know uh, Ralph Michaels at Wager Talk puts out some good trends each week. And 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 you know you you kind of have to take trends with a grain of salt. Don't play them blindly, but if there's logic behind it, uh, you can look at them and. I'm not there was the trend that he pointed out that uh, was a reason to back both uh, the Eagles and Tampa. We'll get to the Eagles game in a minute. But the trend was this. You're a home dog of three and a half or more points. And your opponent is off a loss as a home favorite. Those teams have gone 15 and 49 ATS the last 64 times. So that would say to fade Carolina and to fade the Giants. Uh, because we have, uh, you know, home, those teams in those home dog spots. Tampa and Philly were, uh, you know, those home favorites that lost. You know, I, we'll get to the Giants and the Eagles in a minute. You know, because I'm on the Giants in that game, so I'm not following the trend there. But I do think it makes sense here, and I think the logic is sound. You lose as a home favorite, there's a degree of embarrassment that comes with it, especially for Tampa, the way that it went down, where they were really never in that game against New Orleans, um, and so. Then when you're road chalk, normally the scary thing with road favorites is you worry if they're looking ahead, overlooking an opponent, yada, yada. Well, if you just lost as a home favorite, you're not overlooking the team that you're a road favorite against the following week. You're looking to get back on track. And so, you know, I don't think that last week sucks all the air out of the Tampa balloon because let's bear in mind. The Bucs have been playing pretty well up until last week and looked like the most trustworthy team in this garbage A- NFC South. I still think they win and move on to the NFL playoffs. Um, I And I also just think the betting window on Carolina has closed. Uh, you kind of saw some spunk and some rally the troops vibes with Carolina after Frank Wright got fired and it extended beyond just the first game which we always talk about, you know, the first game mid-season after a coach getting fired, ironically was against Tampa, in which Carolina covered in Tampa, which also makes me kind of like Tampa more, right? Like, they already kind of saw Carolina sneak up and give them a competitive game in their yard. So, now I think all the more reason why Tampa's focused here. Uh, Tampa is, you know, I, I think coming into the year, maybe we overlooked the fact that a lot of the guys from the Super Bowl team are still there. And you know, Baker's just been able to hold down the fort. So maybe this team isn't as bad as we all thought. Uh, and and you know, not only has Carolina, as I say, the betting window kind of closes when you see how poorly Carolina plays in Duval last week, but then you got David Tepper throwing drinks on fans. What kind of message is that sending to the Panthers players? You know, this is an interim and Chris Tabor, who we know is going to be gone and temper will probably pay another coach millions upon millions of dollars to come in so it seems like carolina is pretty dead Uh, i lean tampa pretty strongly just don't love that it's baker on the road as a favorite of more than three
0: i'm definitely with you strongly lean that way i really want to take it i'm hoping that you know, some people pour money in onto the Panthers, and maybe this ticks down a little bit. If not, I'll probably get there come Sunday. I just think Tampa's significantly better. I'm off the the Panthers as underdog wagon. I do like them a lot more at home. And the Baker stuff is concerning. He's 26 and 21 against the spread as a dog, and then as a favorite, he's 13, 26 and one you know these are pretty significant sample sizes and you know the splits are really concerning and it makes sense it's the kind of player that he is we've gone through this throughout the season and you know we love him in that gritty underdog role i just think the panthers are completely dead i think this team has absolutely no juice nothing to play for and the part that's most concerning is just the lack of a future without you know first round picks and this quarterback that they have is clearly not the guy currently. Maybe he makes a jump sophomore year, but you have to think players are completely checked out of thinking like, I got to get away from this fucking team. Like, there's no yeah. future. Right. This team is like, just bad. Like, like you talking they about players play.
1: auditioning for, the, you know, the Panthers or whoever. Right. You know, like you people. don't
0: want to be here. Again.
1: Right. Like you'd almost rather like get cut if you're like yeah,
0: Play ball. play yourself out. Play yourself yeah. out of this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, uh, let's go to the late window and start with another game that felt like a pretty easy pass. Kansas City catching 3.5 at SoFi against the Chargers, total of 35. Blaine Gabbert will start for the Chiefs. So we kind of mentioned it with Cleveland, and it's the same thing with Kansas City, where they're content with their seed. Actually, Cleveland is locked in as the 5 in the AFC. And so, you know, in Kansas City's case, I don't know if they're three or four. I think they're four. Maybe they're three. But regardless, they don't care. So uh, Mahomes not playing. Uh, There's a Chris Jones incentive in this game. But, you know, we talk about it like sacks, especially, are even harder to handicap. Um, So Kansas City, much like Cleveland, I think kind of just this is a preseason game. Uh, There's just it's just the people you do play. You just hope are healthy and you move on to the playoffs. And the Chargers, you know, kind of like Carolina, where, you know, maybe not totally dead, but we know that this coach, you know, Giff Smith, the interim, is not going to be there next season. So what are they playing for? Obviously, their season kind of went awry much before Staley even got fired with the Herbert injury. So, yeah, an easy one to flush.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to. Lay points with Easton stick. I don't care the situation, but I did see Reed is gonna, you know, rest a ton of guys. Even that Chris Jones sack angle, he didn't practice on Wednesday, so I, I would be kind of shocked if he played as well. And that's another, you know, I saw some content creator tweet that out like, oh yeah, he has this huge incentive. Well, sacks are, you know, really tough to get. There's times where the best guys in the league go. A game or two stretch without getting right. one and, and now you're you're trying to bet on that and this was early in the week before lines are even posted what if it's you know over half a sack is minus 200 now people yeah. are going to be laying that because you said it on tuesday without lines and now some casual kid is going to see that and like oh well this is a great bet minus 200 yeah don't do that, and yeah, stay away from this
1: game. Yeah, and, and uh, d- stop paying your handicapper that's like, walrus bet, Chris Jones, over half a sack, minus 350. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the hammer lock. He needs it. He's trying to get paid. He's going to play tougher, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's move forward and go to the Meadowlands. Philadelphia laying five against the New York football giants, total of 42. And, you know, I'm an Eagles fan, but – We're also here to bet and win money, and I I just think that the Giants are a side I like this week because what have we seen, you know, and, and Alex, this is an example, and I know the Eagles technically have some things to play for. They need to win, and they need Dallas to lose to win the NFC East, but I think a lot of people might look at, you know, A.J. Brown talked this week and seemingly kind of aired everything out of the locker room and, you know. Some people I you know I saw on Eagles Twitter like desperate to look for some optimism, thought that that might be just that. But I look at this and see an Eagles team that hasn't covered a number, I think, since the Chiefs win before Thanksgiving. Like I guess they covered the closing line against Buffalo, but that number kind of bet got bet down. And if you got in early enough, you won with Buffalo. You know then they lost obviously in convincing fashion against Dallas and San Francisco. Lost is a favorite against Seattle. Uh, lost is a big favorite against Arizona. Massive favorite against the Giants on Christmas. Don't cover. So I don't know how you bet the Eagles right now. And so now they're just going to flip the switch because A.J. Brown had a good press conference. Like, I think the Eagles are a no-bet team. It's weird saying that about a team going to the playoffs. You know, I feel like we're saying that more about, like, Carolina and Washington and these dead teams. But the Eagles feel pretty dead right now. And I just don't see a switch being flipped this late in the year. I also think the fact that Philly has owned the Giants head-to-head kind of makes me like the Giants here because the Giants are saying, hey, what time better than now to get a win against these guys who have seemingly always beat us, and I'm sure the Giants are also thinking if we had Tyrod Taylor in the whole game, we might have won on Christmas Day at the link. Um, We saw how bad the Eagles defense was last week against Arizona. James Conner had 128 rushing yards. So what's Saquon Barkley going to do? You want to talk about incentives. You know, Saquon Barkley about to enter another offseason of contract negotiations. You know, this would be a really nice opportunity for him to kind of have one final data point on his 2023 season that he can highlight in those contract negotiations. So I like the Giants a lot. I got him at plus five. This has been back down. I think we're still good at five. I think that it's a Giants team that is still playing hard. I mean, look at the whole second half of the year. Between the Tommy Collins hysteria and then what we've seen more recently with Tyrod Taylor. Bear in mind, they also covered a number with Tyrod in Buffalo earlier in the season. Like, they're competing. And we're seeing why Brian Dable was the coach of the year last year. And with these teams that are out of it, that's all we're looking for. is like, play hard, be motivated. And when the favorite is as sloppy and as out of sync as Philadelphia is right now, it doesn't take a whole lot of cojones to get there with the dog. So I'll take the Giants plus
0: five. I'm with you. I I think the fact that this is Tyrod Taylor at home makes me a lot more comfortable taking the points. This is a guy that you just need to not make a ton of mistakes. And we've seen that the Eagles are, Really vulnerable, especially on defense. You saw Arizona look really strong, especially in the second half of that game. I think we could see something similar here from the Giants.
1: Agreement on Big Blue. Let's stay in the NFC East and go to Landover, Maryland. The Dallas Cowboys traveling to FedEx Field to take on the Washington Commanders. Dallas laying some big lumber here as it's the Cowboys. A 13-point road favorite, total of 46. Listen, I think there is something real on the Dallas home road stuff, uh, you know, and it's worth considering as we move into the playoffs. But Washington is one of those teams that just seems completely dead. Listen, anytime you're out of the playoffs and you go to a different quarterback and then you go back to the quarterback that you originally demoted, that's seem a pretty easy, like. Stay away as a better. Team. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's an absolute. And that's what shit we're seeing show. here: it was
1: Sam Howell. Then it was Jacoby Brissett. Now it's Sam Howell again. And you know, home road splits aside, the Dallas defense is legit, and you know, it could easily be one that he is uh, swallowed up pretty quickly by uh, Micah Parsons and company. So because they'll all be out there, because they need to win this game. So that doesn't mean we're betting Dallas, but uh, you know, Washington is is a no bet team.
0: No, it's a complete pass for me as well. Dallas eight and zero straight up at home, six and two against the spread on the road, three and five straight up and against the spread. It's pretty significant. I think that's something to keep in mind for the playoffs, but I don't think it's very actionable this week because Washington's absolutely dead. The secondary's horrible, and Sam Howe just turns the ball over at will. I could see Dallas easily covering this number, but I also don't want to lay nearly two touchdowns on the road in a divisional game.
1: Moving things along with a much shorter number out West, the Los Angeles Rams travel to the Bay area to take on the San Francisco 49ers in a game in which it seems like everybody's going to sit. San Francisco locked in as the one seed LA all but locked in as the number six in the NFC total of 41, and again, when you have this many regulars sitting, uh, it's it feels like almost an impossible handicap. So this was a stay away.
0: Yeah, completely. I mean so many guys on the Rams offense. Higby, Williams, Cup. It does look like Nakua is gonna play because he needs I think it's like 30 yards to beat the rookie receiving yards record. So that's cool. But he'll probably sit the second he gets that. I'm sure they'll throw it to him three times on the first drive. If you had some semblance of weapons and it was just Stafford, I might consider backing Carson Wentz as gross as that is. But he certainly can't bet either of these sides in this game.
1: Okay, let's go to a historic rivalry in America's dairy land, the Chicago Bears. Travel to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Packers, three point home favorites, total of 45. This was another one where I had a preseason position on it, so I'm just going to sit on it. My ticket is on the Packers to make the playoffs at plus 135. A win, and they're in. So, you know, I have the Packers' money line at plus 135, and they're three point favorite. Why would I do anything? The only thing I would consider would be a middle opportunity with Chicago. But I don't love the spot for the Bears going on the road to Green Bay. A Green Bay team that has scored 66 points the last two weeks. Looks like the offense uh, is coming out of it a little. They had a little bit of a rut there. Bad Monday night game against the Giants. uh, Bad game at home against Tampa. But it looks like they found themselves just in the nick of time to get into the postseason with that big loss from Seattle against Pittsburgh last week, helping the cause for the Packers as well. I've talked about the Green Bay offense as one that I thought would improve as the year went along because not only was Jordan Love young, but a lot of their receivers are young, too. So uh, it feels like a good Green Bay spot anyway, um, given that, you know, they can finish it out at home. And also just Chicago, they got one more signature win, I guess, if you want to call it a signature win, beating up on Atlanta last week, enough to keep Matt Eberflus around, it seems they're going to get the number one pick via Carolina. Um, and you know, I, I think the minds are probably made up on Justin Fields. Like if he goes into green Bay and knocks the Packers out, does that tip the scales enough? I guess it could. And if the number were bigger then I would go for the middle, but at just three, I'll stay clear. Um, so I, I pass this game and I'll just move for my futures ticket to get home.
0: I'm with you. I certainly lean green Bay. This feels like a complete letdown spot for the bears coming off that show lacking. And it feels like they've certainly done enough to call this season a success. You know, obviously they're going to want to beat their rivals and knock them out of playoffs, but Lambo being a tougher place to play. And I just think the Packers are significantly better team here. And now you're at home. If this gets under a field goal, I would probably bet green Bay.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It'll be one that I'm monitoring because inside a field goal, Maybe I will double down on the Packers. All right, uh, let's go to the desert. The Seattle Seahawks traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. We talk about letdown games. Feels like that could be just this case for Seattle, excuse me, for Arizona. Seattle looks like laying a soft three, you know, even money, minus 102. It looks like a DraftKings total of 48. Uh, But, you know, it's a little bit of a square play. But I do think Seattle is a good side here. Uh, Pete Carroll we talk about him kind of being an NFC Mike Tomlin in that you know he's just a great rah-rah motivator coach and we've seen that the last couple years post Russell Wilson right like he's kind of helped Geno Smith kind of I'm sure there were some mental struggles that Geno had to clear just getting back in as a regular NFL starting quarterback and you know it, it does feel like Seattle does not often lack motivation. Uh, and so, you know, it's kind of a no brainer spot then for them to say, all right, we got to bounce back. We got to win. We need green Bay to lose. So let's do control. what We can control. These are the spots. Pete Carroll thrives in. And then for Arizona winning on the road as a double digit underdog against Philly in what was a motivational, you know, uh, you know, an, an emotional game for Jonathan Gannon going back to Philly where, you know, he did not leave. It sounded like on the best terms with the Eagles. Uh, yeah, I could see Arizona tapping out. Seattle's the only side I can look, and I've actually played it at minus three.
0: I'm with you. I, I like this. I think the fact that it's a field goal, I, I saw it two and a half early in the week, so you know, it's getting up to the key number three. I think this is a good spot. You mentioned it. Pete Carroll, great rah-rah coach. He gets them up so that he's – 22 11 and 1 against the spread after a home loss. I think that makes sense. You know, games that, especially last week, you know, they were favored at home. They lose in not embarrassing fashion, but Pittsburgh ran all over them. You saw Carroll out there just pleading with his team to try to make a tackle. I think this is the week that you go back to that well. You know, he's going to have them up, especially, you know, mathematically still alive in the playoffs, and Arizona has absolutely nothing to play for. It's better if they lose. They've been doing a pretty good job at being super competitive and then ultimately losing the game. Although, you know, last week we saw them finally pulling out. I, I think Seattle can uh, cover this number pretty comfortably.
1: Okay, penultimate game that we'll discuss is the Denver Broncos traveling to Sin City to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas is laying three, a total of 38. And the Raiders are the only side I would look to. I think we've seen a Raiders team really play for Antonio Pierce down the stretch here. We talk about these dead teams still being motivated. And I think the Raiders kind of check that box when you look at the fact that they've covered three games in a row now, and a pair of them were on the road the last two weeks at Kansas City and at Indianapolis. And, you know, they've responded for Antonio Pierce after that week 15 shutout, that three, nothing game against uh, Minnesota. They've come back, blew out the chargers. And then I mentioned the two road wins against the chiefs and the, uh, uh, or excuse me, the covers against the one against the chiefs covered against the Colts and lost. So I think there's still a fight here from the Raiders. And this feels like the one coach that, What is an interim that has an outside chance at retaining the job? Bear in mind, you know, Rich Bisaccia was, you know, somebody that people thought might get retained in Vegas the last time they had an interim coach. And Mark Davis decided to hire Josh McDaniels. So maybe he's thinking back to that, thinking, hey, you know, my players have shown enough under this interim coach as well. Maybe I give Antonio Pierce a longer look. So that would make me think the Raiders are the side we saw a little bit of a comeuppance for the uh, I guess that would be that's a wrong phrase there. But uh, we saw a little bit of a uh, shot in the arm, I guess, from the Broncos a revival of sorts when after they lost in that primetime game against New England on Christmas Eve last week, they make the change to Russell Wilson or to Jared Stidham and they are able to beat a Chargers team. I think that only has a one week effect. We talk about backup quarterbacks, how they're not bad to bet on the first game, and then you bet against them the next week. So that's what I think maybe goes on here as well. I kind of like the Raiders here.
0: I'm with you. They've been playing super hard for Antonio Pierce. I think that continues. I, I can see the Broncos kind of quitting, especially after you know the coach and uh, front office ultimately gave up on the season. Why wouldn't the players do the same? I think Vegas is a pretty good look here at home. Just a little bit high, in my opinion, at three. I don't think either of these teams are very good. It feels more like a with you know Vegas not having the strongest home field, but I certainly would look their way. I just don't know if I want to play it at this current number.
1: And we wrap up in South Beach where the Baltimore – excuse me, the Buffalo Bills are laying two-and-a-half on the road against the Miami Dolphins, total of 48 and a half. This is a tricky side for me because I do feel like Buffalo is a little bit inflated in a game in which the Bills are the ones that this is one of those like, oh, they need it. So they're we're taxing them a little bit. And, oh, the analytics people love Buffalo. They're really better than their record, all this stuff. Okay, but now that's two and a half on the road against a Dolphins team that prior to last week still had a chance to get the number one seed. like It does feel a little bit high on the Buffalo side, having said that. I don't know that I want a piece of this Dolphins side either when it's still a very extensive injury report. Jalen Waddell may not go again. Raheem Mostert may not go again. You had the Tyreek Hill fire this week, and, you know, he's a little bit banged up. Is not 100%. So I, I think there's enough red flags with the Dolphins to not bet that side. But I mentioned all those guys. Those guys are all on offense. So what are we doing How do we not end the regular season with a prime time under? There's been under money here. I got in at under 49. I think we're good there. I think that this is a Buffalo offense that, like, let's be honest, last couple weeks, even when they've needed to win, little bit trudging along against New England, going through the mud, turning the ball over against the Chargers, and the total's in the high 40s. Like, I think this is, like, 21-17. Like, I think there's a lot of wiggle room on under – 49, 48 and a half. So that's my play here for Sunday Night Football.
0: I I really like the, the Bills here. I just don't know if I can do it. It feels really square to back Buffalo in this spot. You know, Usually we like to look to home divisional dogs, especially when these teams are very comparable and super competitive. But you mentioned it, the injuries – especially on offense, are really concerning. And then I think the loss of Bradley Chubb last week can't be overstated. He was really, really good on that defensive line after they had a couple other key injuries in that yeah. spot that brought him in. He's been playing great, really been doing well for them, generating pressure sacks, and you know that's something you really need to do against the Bills and Josh Allen. You need to get that pressure, and then he starts to – make some of the worst decisions you've ever seen and throw those awful interceptions, but he's been playing much better towards the end of the season. I really like Buffalo in the spot, but I'm also liking that under even more with the concerns at Miami. And this feels like a spot where, you know, Buffalo doesn't need to win with margin. They're going to be really competitive on defense. And I think they're going to play a little more conservative, a little tighter in such a big spot. Yeah,
1: and so there we have it. Some agreement on the total going under in Sunday night football. Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven at full underscore slate underscore pod. My name is Greg Frank at undercover Greg at G underscore Frank six. Good to get through another NFL regular season, Alex. We got one more shot at five and oh in our contest before the playoffs. (laughs)
0: this is a week you know it's gonna be the week the one that we're not super confident on sides we'll probably go five and one with some of these really gross underdogs talk
1: to you later my man enjoy one last nfl sunday the regular season
0: best of luck see you
1: this has been full slate a podcast by degenerates 40 Degenerates. everybody be well we'll be back for the playoffs until then take care and please play responsibly